Andy, can you believe we've almost hit 700 episodes of The Next Reel? I know, it's crazy. And with all the other episodes in our family of podcasts, we are well over 1,200 episodes of movie conversation. It's really pretty amazing that we've gotten to have these in-depth movie chats every week for over a decade now. And we couldn't have done it without our loyal community of film fans. Their support over the years has meant so much. For sure. That reminds me, we should give the merch store a shout out. Buying shirts from thenextreel.com slash merch is a great way listeners can continue to support the show. Plus, they get to sport our great designs. Absolutely. I think sometimes folks forget we have a variety of shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more available. In fact, a great place to start is with a shirt sporting the Next Reel's logo. We also have that classic Fast Times Spicoli Surf School tee, or the weirdly popular Rusty's European Tour shirt. The one from National Hemp Foods European Vacation. Why is that so popular? <laughs> Search me, but we have sold a ridiculous number of those. I guess there are a lot of Rusties taking trips to Europe? We're always adding new designs based on movies we've covered, like our brand new design for a streetcar named Desire, featuring a streetcar named Desire. So if you want to rep your love of TNR and films, head to thenextreel.com slash merch. Every purchase helps us continue to have these weekly in-depth conversations. So visit thenextreel.com slash merch today. And as always, thanks for listening and being a part of the Next Real community. We've got lots more great movie chats coming your way. It's hard to believe we have been having in-depth weekly conversations about movies since 2011. You're telling me, producing this show week after week is so much fun, but it does require a lot of work behind the scenes. If you'd like to help support our efforts, one easy way is by using our Originals page when shopping for books and movies that we've covered. Your purchase is made through our links. Give us a small commission at no extra cost to you and allow us to keep having these great discussions. We covered a lot of great movies that were adapted from other material in Season 10. Our Originals page at thenextreel.com slash originals is where listeners can purchase the source material behind all our adapted film discussions. It helps support the show at no extra cost when you buy through our links. In our foreign language Best Picture nominees series, we looked at several adaptations, including Z, The Postman Il Postino, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, and Letters from Iwo Jima. We hit the high seas with In the Heart of the Sea from Nathaniel Philbrick's nonfiction book for our Aquatic Killers series. Eh, definitely a weaker entry in that series. I bet the book is better. Oh, me too. Member bonus episodes featured adaptations like Gone Girl, The Russia House, Ivanhoe, The Hot Rock, The Big Heat, and Naked Lunch. Oliver Stone brought not just original stories, but also adaptations like Conan the Barbarian, Scarface, Year of the Dragon, Eight Million Ways to Die, Talk Radio, and Born on the Fourth of July. Mary Heron's disturbingly insightful American Psycho was adapted from the Brett Easton Ellis book. You like Huey Lewis in the news? Oh my god, it even has a watermark. And of course, more Stephen King with The Mist, The Green Mile, and The Shawshank Redemption for our King a la Darabont series. Find links to all of these books and more adapted films on our Originals page. That's thenextreel.com slash originals. Every purchase supports our show. Get the full list of books that we've talked about and start your next read today at thenextreel.com slash originals. I'm Pete Wright. And I'm Andy Nelson. We're two passionate movie lovers who love talking about movies passionately. Welcome to The Next Reel. When the movie ends... Our conversation begins. Outside in is over. People did not want to hire a murderer for some reason. I just want a simple life. Come home every day to somebody that I love and be good to them. I want you. Chris, I have to save my marriage. Oh my God. Tom, we can be friends. We're not friends. You're the only person I can talk to. You're everything to me. You have a whole big new life in front of you. How could you possibly know that it's me that you want? So, Pete, have you heard about these membership plans we have over at The Next Reel? Membership plans? Tell me more. For just $1 a month, practically nothing, you can become a One Reeler member and get access to member channels over on Discord. But I'm already a member on Discord. Yeah, but you only get access to some of the channels. 
Okay, so what's on these member channels? Oh, you know that Saturday matinee show? The one that I get every Monday, where the hosts talk about news and new trailers and play movie-related games and challenge each other with their list of films related somehow to the films reviewed that week? That's the one. Members get access to the Show Talk channel, where they can vote on the lists each week. You mean there's a vote? I love voting. Mom always said, vote early, vote off. Now, if you bump your membership up to the two-reeler tier, which costs a measly $5 a month, it's practically the same you'd pay for one of those fancy coffee drinks, you get so much more. What more could there be? Well, two-reelers not only get everything the one-reelers get... That's a given. ...but they also get access to live streams to watch shows when they actually record or anytime thereafter. You mean I have to stop doing this in my bathrobe? Two-reelers also get to be a part of a pre-show chat with hosts before every film board episode. I like it. I like it. Two-reelers get every show before regular listeners and without ads. You mean I don't have to sit through this? Count me in! But the best benefit of all, members get bonus member-only episodes. I love that. It's an exciting time to be alive. What can I say? So how do I sign up? It's easy. Just head to thenextreel.com slash membership. TheNextReel.com slash membership? TheNextReel.com slash membership. Access to member channels in Discord, early access to shows, access to live streams, and member bonus episodes. Sign up today. Andy, we're doing our Lynn Shelton number four. Lynn Shelton number four, Outside In, 2017. It's an ex-con movie. Uh, she uh, wrote and directed. She wrote it with Jay Duplass. And uh, it is the movie we are talking about today. What did you think of this this film uh well first of all i was a little confused because i was expecting either the sequel or the prequel to inside out i know something is broken it didn't understand clearly (laughs) clearly she's not part of the hollywood establishment i'm like yeah right no it's all it's all confused no Mm -hmm. uh honestly uh this is uh possibly my favorite lynn shelton well i should say definitely my favorite lynn shelton movie of the series up to this point. Like I just, I loved it. I really connected with these characters and this journey that they were going on. And uh, it was just like, it, it did for me, it did everything right. And it was interesting to see, and I'm sure we'll talk about this at some point, but this is really kind of Lynn Shelton shifting into essentially kind of more of a straight up drama. And I just, I thought she really, it was just so strong. So I, I really, enjoyed my time with this one i really enjoyed these characters and had a great time with this film how about you man what a load of crap (laughs) (laughs) i i kid i kid you i uh i read your brief review on letterboxd and i got uh i got real excited uh to disagree but only briefly because i wouldn't be able to do it with a straight face i was delighted by this movie and um you know i had a bit of an obsessive streak in me last week and um i spent a lot of time with lynn shelton and i it was just delightful and it 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 actually served to help me rethink some of the things that we discussed in in it, that i didn't like as much in in hump day and your sister sister and i think i still stand by those writ large but but i certainly am more attracted to shelton as a filmmaker um with this movie and and the others that that we aren't covering in this series and we should yeah to clarify your point which you you didn't uh, spell out too well you watched all the rest of the films that she's directed i did every single one of them i did and i am very sad to say that my favorite film of the entire set we didn't choose it, yeah. operating from a place of ignorance uh correct but uh you know none of us had seen anything so uh i we just kind of rolled the dice and man uh did did i was i affected by i think i was affected by we go way back the same way you were affected by this one um that it just it just hit me square in the chest and i really i loved reading your your brief review i'm excited to hear what you what impacted you so heavily by this movie well yeah i mean I, i i think that in context of what shelton was doing i mean we we've seen how she works with her actors and and creates these really 
believable characters and and certainly in in some of the previous films they end up in these situations where they make for a good movie i guess right you have a man and a woman who are best friends and he accidentally sleeps with her sister and but they're really in love with each other so you've got like that sort of thing you've got the two guys in hump day who dare each other basically to make a an amateur porn video with each other uh, these sorts of things that seem like it's an easy to pitch not necessarily high concept, but it's an easy to pitch sort of movie that you can pitch to the money people to get the money for the movie. This one is like a quieter drama. And I just, I don't know. I, the way that these characters related to each other, this idea of, of prisons and, and being trapped and, and trying to find a way forward and, and the connections that they find with one another. I, it just, it was a beautiful film. And, I just was in love with everything that Edie Falco did in the film. She was fantastic in the way that she portrayed this this character of Carol, who basically is trapped in her own marriage, in a very joyless marriage, with a man who just seems to have no interest in in finding a way to make it work. And so she basically has taken to helping people in prison, specifically this one former student of hers is where she starts. She helps him get out of prison. She essentially kind of finds whatever evidence they needed to get him out. So he's out of prison still after 20 years of being in prison, but still that's her thing. And so now she's doing this sort of thing. She's found a passion. She still can't connect with her husband and she's trying to figure out this very awkward relationship that she has with Chris, this, uh, this, you know, convicted uh, murderer who is her former student and that relationship and watching both of them figure out how to move forward. And I just felt like they were just so honest and genuine people in their trying to figure out what the heck is going on here. I, I just, I really connected with uh, these people and this story. I feel like Edie Falco is a known quantity for me um, because I've, I've always loved her. And I think she's amazing in this movie. I mean, she's she's fantastic and full of heart and uh, empathy. And it, it's just written all over her face. So I was delighted by Edie Falco and I expected to be delighted by Edie Falco. But, and you, are you saying that because you had followed her on like TV shows and stuff? Is that yeah, yeah, yeah? I feel like she has already demonstrated range enough for me to to expect good stuff when I see her on stage. You know what I mean? Or on screen? Right. I just have to say, I have never seen a single episode of The Sopranos. I never oh. saw Nurse Jackie. I know that these were big things that she was yeah. in, but. I have only ever, I don't think I've ever watched any TV that she's been in, except for maybe, you know, a, a small single one-off or something. I think it's just bit parts in movies that I've only ever seen her in, so. Yeah, no, I, you know, I, I mean, I think one of the beautiful things about both Nurse Jackie and, and obviously The Sopranos is just because, uh, you know, such a long-running property, you get to see, um, you know, just a lot of investment in character because it's it's a show that doesn't forget what happened last week you know what i mean like it's it is a long arc show and so i i think you get a lot out of her um i <laughs> i feel like we need to take a moment and uh give our hot takes on now your favorite duplass brother after seeing jay duplass in this movie in particular uh what'd you what'd you think of him as chris it's it's a it's a tricky question because I feel like I've seen more of Mark than I have yeah. of Jay. Uh, I think I've I've only seen Jay in, um, like Cyrus. I mm -hmm. think that may be it. I don't think I've. Uh, I mean, I saw like Safety Not Guaranteed, which I think they worked on together, and his brother was the lead in that, right? Yes, that, he was. Um, he was the the one with the conspiracy time theorist. Yeah, yeah, or the yeah. time machine. And, uh, so it's, so I just don't, it's like, I don't have much to say about him, but I just, I loved him as a character here. I thought he was fantastic. Mark, I've seen in a lot more films. I think I really just enjoy what he brings, but, uh, so it's, it's hard for me to completely compare, but I will say that what Jay was bringing here made me want to see more of Jay. Like, I just don't feel like I've had enough jay to really take it all in but i it, but this says he i need to see more of him because he's that good 
Yeah, I, I think what Jay did here is um, is an exercise in such emotional complexity, right? Because he is a guy who never experienced adulthood outside of prison, right? He's been in yeah. prison for 20 years. He went to prison as a youth. He yeah, experienced like growing up. Right, right. So he was stunted. Uh, you know, emotionally stunted by the time he goes into prison. He lives that life and comes out, and now he is reintroduced to the world uh, with all the emotional capability of that 18-year-old youth, and yet he is an adult. He's chronologically an adult and has all of those complicated relationships. One, he he obviously has a, a, a interest in a relationship with his old teacher, with his advocate, and in fact, his savior, right? Uh, two, he has a complicated, I think, uh, sort of crush relationship on her daughter, and who's 18, right? Who And so he has these two women who are addressing two very different parts of his emotional life. And I was riveted by how well Jay walks back and forth that narrative, all the while selling, ably selling, that his is an experience of just trying to be seen in the world, right? To be seen as an ex-convict. And that was incredibly compelling. It really was. And, and the, yeah, the, the dance between these two relationships as he's kind of being that 18 year old kid. And I, I think it was perfect, perfect writing that his brother saved everything of his. And so that's his method of transport is his old, uh, dirt bike, his BMX bike, biking, right? <laughs> he's biking around on it. And I'm like, it, it just, it, it's so fitting that that is his method of, of transport. And then he's hanging out with Hildy, and I just I, I thought that the way they were doing stuff just felt very authentic and fun. And I mean, she clearly was, you know, in in a household where her parents were not paying her any attention. Her mom was so focused on Chris and figuring out how to get him out as a way to kind of deal with the fact that her marriage was was uh, empty, and her husband was just you know, I mean, he's just a, a you know a terrible example of how to survive in a marriage. It was just so painful to watch those conversations between uh, Carol and her husband um, in a very interestingly portrayed way. But I mean, Hildy's trapped in the middle and not getting any attention, even though her mom's trying. But I loved the way that Hildy was kind of taking it out in, you know, kind of, I, I don't want to say petty crime, but she is breaking and entering, but only to like do these weird art projects. And I thought that mm -hmm. was actually a really interesting uh, way for her to kind of find her own way of dealing with things. So all of these characters had very interesting um, situations that they were just trying to get through. And I just, I loved the way all of them were portrayed. I did too. I think, you know, we talked a little bit about Caitlin Deaver and uh, Laggies uh, as she's the the best friend playing her book smart role, right? Essentially. And uh, I was I was really excited to see her in this because I think we get more of her and uh, more of her depth and range uh, as a young actor that demonstrated why she is sought after right now. Uh, I was uh, really captivated by her on screen. I think she was fantastic. And I think for her to walk that line of being sort of an, a, a teen with agita, uh, you know, doing the normal teen stuff, being brooding and moody and upset and and. Uh, struggling with trying to figure out which side do I take on my parent between my parents and their difficult relationship and this developing friendship with his ex-con, which, you know, for her was equally complicated. I think um, it was I, I thought that was really powerful. Uh, and and then we have this other part of the story. Uh, and, and the other part of the story is Chris reconciling with life after prison with the people that he used to hang with. And we, we start with his brother. Um, there's a lot of subtext and a little text that <laughs> demonstrates the, the role his brother played in his incarceration. Uh, his brother is uh, Ted, played by Ben Schwartz. Uh, my note was, huh, Ben Schwartz is a grown-up actor and not a permanent caricature of himself. Um, it was great seeing Ben Schwartz in this role. I think he, he was able to bring a little comedy, but he was a human all the way through this movie. Uh, and for those used to seeing him in other much more sort of strident 
comic properties, this was a surprise for me. Um, and and we get the the part of the narrative is that uh, you know are we we're supposed to believe that Ted did it and that uh, Chris was taking the fall? Oh, I don't think I completely thought that. I but but I mean he says that, but it sounded like it's Ted and whoever that other friend was who shows yeah. up at the party that okay. seemed to be the guilty party like the one who brought the gun yeah like that was my impression that's the person who brought the gun now whether it was that person or ted who ended up actually shooting the person killing them uh i mean chris is the one who kind of takes the fall and, and covers for them um which was really interesting and so it's this is something that i i do enjoy about the way that the story is written is it's never completely spelled out. So we're just, you know, kind of pulling out what we can from all the little bits and pieces that are kind of um, dropped for us to kind of weave this, yeah. this backstory together. And I really like that. I like that. It's not something that we have to see completely spelled out or anything. And it just it well, works in the way that it's, it, it's laid out. I think so. When I, the, when I first saw it, that was my big criticism was I, I feel like they introduced this was a Chekhov's gun thing, right? Like you, you put Chekhov's gun in Ted's hand. <laughs> I need to know how that resolved. It took me, I think, three days to realize that the art here is that I don't actually need to know any more than what they give me on screen about his pre-incarceration. And in fact, any more than that would have made this a crime movie. And it's not a crime movie. It's a relationship movie. It's a yeah. love story. It's a movie about this guy trying to move past the crime at a different stage of that narrative. And, uh, you know, if we want to deal with the crime story, we have to make a different movie. And so I thought that was really particularly touching. And I, it took me a bit to figure that out. I'm glad I didn't just watch it yesterday because I think I would have been, you know, grumpy. Yeah, I, I think that's uh, that's true. I think you're right. It, it is very much about the relationships. And what was interesting is when that other that other third person shows up at the party, Chris clearly has an issue and, and is very mm -hmm. upset that to see that person almost seems more upset that Ted still hangs out with that person when that yes. person is the one who had been the reason that these 20 years are gone for him. I really liked that. What I found so strong about the way that it evolves is they're still brothers. And this goes back to a point I, I brought up last time about how I think Lynn Shelton really likes these stories about complicated humans and their complicated lives, and they're messy. People are just messy, and they don't always make the best decisions all the time. But she's interested in forgiveness, and the idea of these characters finding ways to move past it and forgive. And I think that's really strong. And the way that the, the, the relationship between the brothers continues, I mean, obviously, Chris is still living there, albeit the garage, and but he still is coming in, he still is eating, he's still talking to them, and and looking at YouTube clips and whatever. And so there still is a relationship, even though there's clearly a barrier there. But over the course of the film, we really kind of work through that. And it builds to that moment toward the end between Chris and Ted that I thought was really nice. And and that's what I love seeing about the way that Shelton builds these stories. And obviously in context with Duplass co-writing it, it just but they 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 build to a place where they're able to acknowledge that you know, they do love each other and there is uh, Ted is ashamed of what he did and he is moving past that and, and he's able to kind of apologize to Chris and Chris is able to kind of connect. And I think that's that's what I love about it. Yeah, yeah, I think so, too. And I think he gets that with everybody. And then there is the relationship with, uh, you know, with Carol and her relationship with Tom and the grand confrontation. Um I think is a fascinating scene. And and I, I just want to talk about that because he walks out of the hotel. They Chris and Carol have gone to a hotel overnight after having a beautiful date where they, you know, they they watch their relationship sort of grow. Uh, they both wear wigs. Uh, they end up at this hotel. Uh, they're, they're spending time. The wigs. <laughs> the wigs are so great. Um, uh, they they spend the, the night together and it's uh, it's delightful. And then uh, they walk out and they're sort of talking about, you know, joking, having this sort of post-night, you know, relationship laughs. And they see Tom and Hildy 
at the at the off front office of this motel and they notice each other across the crowd across the parking lot tom storms across the parking lot and you can tell there's about to be a fight yeah and then chris ends the the fight very very quickly right he just kicks tom in the knee and r- runs away like he's carol tells him to to run away that's the extent of the high drama of of this movie right, right. like that's that's the the pinnacle of the high relationship drama and uh allows us to move into their into to carol and tom's post relationship pretty easily and and i think it's incredibly efficient that i feel like i watched a knockdown drag out parking lot fight between these two men exercising their machismo and what i really got was um not that right i got something that that ended up efficiently easily nearly effortlessly giving me all the feeling that i needed as an audience member and moving on so we didn't have to to shoot an action scene do you know what I mean? That's that's craft. That felt really great. It also felt completely in context with these characters, which yes. I really liked. This is, yeah. you know, what I loved about that moment with Chris is it told me, oh, he is a guy who survived prison for 20 years and learned these sorts of things like, hey, if you want to get out of a fight quickly or, or prevent somebody from hitting you, kick him in the shin because that's going to really hurt and it's going to you know throw them off. And he does that so quickly and efficiently. Like, I wouldn't have thought of that. Like, (laughs) you know, and and he does that and and that gives him the time he needs to get away. And I I, was like, that was a great context for that character who had been in prison for 20 years to use that method to kind of escape. And and so it just it all felt authentic. I I believed all of this Uh, takes place in in Granite Falls, Washington, another wonderful Pacific Northwest town. Uh, I was wondering for you if you felt any deeper connection, per- perhaps with the with this environment and this town, uh, than maybe some of the island locations uh, that we've explored. Um, how'd you what'd you think about Granite Falls? I don't know if I found much to connect to town wise. It felt like another community. Uh, I, I suppose in context of what I'm seeing, like laggies felt like, uh, you know, it, it felt like the Pacific Northwest. It felt, um, less interesting than this, even though it's Seattle, but it's just kind of the not popular areas of Seattle, I guess, or not a, it's more the suburban Seattle. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, hump day, I don't really recall the locations much at all. So I, I, I don't think much of that one. I think it's hard to beat your sister's sister because that one was uh, just such a stunning. I mean, really, it's a it's a destination, right? I mean, that's that's what I loved about that one so much is it was like a place you go to get away, and so that one worked really well for me. Yeah, this one, uh, I it felt familiar to me not because I live up here, but because this town is representative of any small mountain town. And I mean, Granite Falls is is about an hour outside of Everett, Washington, about an hour and a half outside of Seattle. It is at the foot of the Cascades. It is a small town that has been consistently strapped with with poverty as businesses have changed so rapidly and industries have changed over the years. And yet these people, they still live there. They love their town. Uh, Kids want to get out and uh, adults don't want it to change. And it's just it is what it is. But it felt every bit like the same sort of gestalt of the small mountain towns that we grew up near, right, in Colorado. And so it it felt very much like home, but a different kind of home for me, because I feel like I've been driving through these towns uh, for decades. And um, so it felt very familiar. And I really liked the way she was able to to use the location uh, for these characters and make them feel right at home and allow me to feel right at home with her. I thought that was great. They, they, I mean, they definitely felt like they were of this world. Yeah. I, and I really like that, that the characters just feel like authentically placed. So drop the temperature uh, yeah. 40 degrees and it's just a lot of snow. And then <laughs> it feels very familiar. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 
Yeah. I wasn't sure of the location. So for me, it's like I I didn't get much here to tell me it was just a small mountain town as opposed to like another suburban area. Um it just I mean, obviously where he and his brother live felt like on the fringes of things. Yeah, they were but, very much. But I didn't think that much. Like I don't think the houses were that different from where uh, or the school even um where where Carol worked and Hildy went. Uh, it didn't feel too far apart from what we were seeing in Laggies. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, and that see Laggy, it feels very different for me from Laggy because I know those those neighborhoods, those like um uh the, those were the the suburban neighborhoods and they just are well just newer and cleaner. Yeah. And and um fewer trees. <laughs> um yeah, and, and obviously it makes yeah. sense when you're there a lot more, right? Like yeah, yeah, you, yeah, of course. You're used to those areas, so you're seeing those differences. And for yeah, me, I, yeah. I guess it's just, it's I don't have the the finer details in my head to be able to tell that, like, one area from the other. Well, and it's really fun. And as we record this, the Saturday matinee last week picked uh, Pacific Northwest movies as one of the the choices for the SatMat list uh, for this week. And I really love that. Uh, that list because and, and I think this movie exemplifies that list that it's a movie that is set in the Pacific Northwest intentionally it's not set in the Pacific Northwest and filmed elsewhere it's set and filmed there because this is a director who knows how to get the tone and texture of this part of the country and I think she does a fantastic job of it um, and and uh, I think you can say that about all of these movies that that we've watched of her so far I she certainly feels like she knows the environment you know yeah. so so to that end i i really like what um how Sh- shelton just knows how to shoot these places mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah it'll be interesting uh, because this will actually be an interesting conversation to continue next week and actually you've seen more of her films than i have uh do they all take place up here i i know sort of trust doesn't and i know it's kind of the opposite the one. part of the country or yeah. everything else takes place up here huh Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, Touchy Feely in particular uh, is um, sort of hinges on being here. Um, We go way back. Yeah. Yeah. I think they all they all are. Gotcha. Okay. That's interesting Um, then. It's interesting that she's nested so much in that particular part of the world to tell her stories. And then this will make for an interesting conversation next week when with the one change that she throws in. (laughs) It is non-trivial. I can't wait. Interesting. Interesting. So uh, we're talking about the kind of locations and everything, but something else that I thought that we have talked about a little bit before is just the camera work and the way that she uses the locations and filming and everything. Certainly in, I mean, I always go back to your sister's sister because it was so beautifully shot, but I don't recall ever that she had worked with her cinematographer in this way before where they were playing with a shallower depth of field throughout. And it's a different cinematographer here. She's working with uh, Nathan Miller on this film instead of Ben Kasolke. This is a a different feel. And I was surprised to see kind of that play, that playing around with depth of field and letting a character drift out of focus to to stay with a different character in a closer depth of field or a more distant depth of field and and using rack focuses and stuff. And I, I felt... Oh, okay. This is interesting. I like seeing this work. And in context of the story, I actually felt like there were times where that shallow depth of field, when you have multiple characters in a shot, it can still keep those characters distanced from each other. And I liked the way that they were playing with that. I thought that was very nice to see in context of this story. Well, I think it's it really is reminiscent of the tone of their relationships too, right? I mean, it just feels so much like you know we get a real sense through this other sense uh, about how distant these characters are, about how distant they are from the world, about how challenging it is for Chris to move back into the world when things can be literally and figuratively out of focus. Uh, and and I thought that was really touching. Nate uh, Miller uh, has been on the camera department with, um, with Kasulki for two of the uh, of Lynn's other films, Sister, Sister, and Humpte. Um, and so he's... I, I, 
was wondering where is where is Ben Kasolki? Whither Ben Kasolki? Uh, because he's uh, he was just he was obviously busy through 2016-17. He had had work to do, but I couldn't find anything that defined why he was not on this picture. Interesting, interesting. Uh, well, I'm I don't I don't know if he's going to work on uh, the next film either. So it'll be interesting to see if he continues working with uh, with Shelton or not. Yeah. as we move forward. Um, but I, I really liked it. And, you know, just t- speaking of the team members, just again, going back to Jay Duplass, I, I couldn't help but love the way that they found ways to keep the screenplay just moving very efficiently and effectively. And I didn't find anything, I don't know if you did, about how, I mean, there was always the talk about the kind of that improvisational style that they used to craft the scripts. I couldn't find anything about that on this particular script. I don't know if you did. But what they brought to the story was really beautiful and and touching. And I, I loved, and this and simple. And they established things so quickly and just just you get so much out of so little there are only a couple moments brought up about chris's mom chris and ted's mom the first is when he shows up at the house for the first time and his aunt is there and says your mom wishes she could come but you know how you know her and travel or something like that that's all we get Mm -hmm. and then later there's that letter that comes from mom and he opens it doesn't even read the letter just kind of puts it away and just takes the money out that she had sent and (laughs) just like this there's such an interesting relationship that we're getting between him and his mom in these little moments. And it says so much. I just thought that was really uh, effective storytelling. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I think it's, I, I think it's, it's, it's celebrate up and down this, this movie. I mean, w- with the way they're able to, to bring those story po- points home, I think it's really great. Has Jay Duplass, uh, do you, do you know much more about him as a writer? Has he written much else? Yeah, you know, he is obviously he is has an extensive production uh CV, right? I mean, he's done that's, a bunch. He's that's got That's what he and his brother seem to focus on mostly. Right. That's really what they want to do. I, you know, you look at his uh, at what he has written. He's got 13 credits. Um, you know, he's he created He's credited as creator of the show Room 104, um, uh, Cinema Toast, uh, a TV series. He has a story by credit. In terms of features that he's written, he's got Outside In, uh, Story By on Table 19, and then the Dodecapentathlon, Jeff Who Lives at Home, Kevin is a documentary short that he did, and then Cyrus, Baghead, The Puffy Chair, which was the first thing that he and Mark did to to get, you know, I, I think significant notice. Yep. And then Scrapple and The New Brad were before that in the early 2000s. So um, he doesn't have an extensive writing career um, and and yet has an incredible eye for great properties yeah that seems to be the trick yeah is the way that they have latched on to so many strong and i know we talked about started this whole series talking about mumblecore and everything i think largely you know as of laggies people say that lynn shelton kind of moved out of mumblecore and all these people who are tagged mumblecore filmmakers don't like the moniker anyway regardless it does define something and i think what it was defining is just small character indie you know drama comedies is is largely what it was and that seems to be the type of story that jay and mark really latch onto. you look at all the different stories that they produce and all of them feel very uh very small very personal very intimate very uh, sometimes funny you know kind of that dance between comedy or not comedy and uh but this one wasn't funny by the way just so we can this is jury's back this is not a comedy Uh, i didn't need permission to laugh no but all of it feels very uh personal or intimate or real and that's what i like about their stories and so i love what they're doing as as a duo the two of them and and when they come on something like this where jay writes with lynn to craft this story that he is acting in i i think that's fantastic i i think it is too i, I want to go back to your uh you know i think you started by asking about any place that we noticed uh that there was any sort of improvisation in yeah. in the film and i did not uh, I felt like this was uh, an incredibly just sort of stable well crafted screenplay and 
um, it was easy to read. It was, um, you know, it was easy to feel like I'm, I'm a part of the, of, of the story. I jumped around in the screenplay and I, I found everything that I, I landed on was in the film. It's 123 pages. Like it's not a, a 50 page sort of treatment that you're expected to improv around. Like it really, it felt like a complete work. And I, I think you can see it on screen. Um, it was, it was a capable adaptation of the words. Just to, uh, to, to clarify, though, in the world of film, when people are talking about like improv writing styles and stuff, largely it's not like they're bringing a treatment in filming because there's no way the production team can budget or schedule around that. And so what they generally are doing is that's early in the stages where they're improvisationally kind of working through the script and figuring it out and then actually writing the script down. So they're actually working on a script. It's just they came to it through an improvisational style. Um, so that then the producers can actually schedule it and budget it appropriately. Um, that's my understanding of how they were doing it in general, my general understanding of improvisational in quotes, uh, screenwriting styles. Well, and that's fair. And I'm glad you said that because I'm speaking largely sarcastically, but again, like this is the, the version that I've got here is the yellow revision from, uh, November, 2016. It, it wasn't, you know, it, it, you know, I, I don't know at what stage it was, but this, this very much felt, performed yeah you know yeah. and, and well, i, I mean, was i was grumpy about some of the improvisational stuff on yeah. the other movies like that's that's the stuff that didn't sit well with me and uh i i this felt much more competent well but and, and i think that's because regardless of where it comes in the production process you know actors improving to come up with the script at the beginning it still is leading to a script that feels as we felt in some of those earlier uh, movies that we talked about mm -hmm. it didn't feel as effective in the way that the story ended up coming across and that's where it, it uh, that style for me can can be less effective than really sitting down and figuring out okay how can we craft a script to most effectively move us from the beginning to the end. Well, and I would say, I think, you know, when you, and it's probably, it's premature to be talking about just sort of overall arc of Lynn Shelton. But when one of the reasons I like we go way back to this point specifically is that I do get a sense that it was a much more sort of free form experience. Um, and yet it also felt competent. Like every character, I think, it it came across on screen as if it was a a, a pre envisioned soup to nuts story, and I didn't always get that feeling with with you know sister sister and hump day specifically. I felt it felt like you're we're trying to manufacture this thing in process, and we're not quite sure where it's going to go, but eventually we'll get to the joke. And I I didn't get that at all with this film, not at all with some of her her earlier stuff that that I think is is uh, is just better. Yeah, I uh, agree. So this this was a real high point. Oh, absolutely. I, I do want to call out the one thing uh, that I did find incredibly funny <laughs> in this film. I don't know. I, I Obviously, they, they designed it in a way to at least, you know, make people think it was slightly funny or at least a small chuckle. It's not like a, a funny comedy moment. But the fact that we have Chris and I, I think it was uh, Alicia Delmore's character, Tara, right? The one that Ted is always hanging out with. That's Tara. When they're sitting on the couch and she's kind of flirting with him a little bit and they're watching a show, it, it there's a, a two shot of the two of them on either end of the couch and the blanket is between them on the back of the couch and the blanket is of koalas, like two koalas, and it's just two giant koala heads <laughs> between them. And it was just one of those like weird production design moments. Like I can't even imagine it was written into the script. But I was chuckling to myself because it's like, what a weird thing to have. Like you have these two people with two giant koalas stuck between them. It just made me laugh. Koalas are the funniest bear. I mean, <laughs> I think that's objectively think that's very true. That's actually on the, the tag at the yeah. zoo. It's <laughs> the funniest bear, but it's written in Latin. So you right. wouldn't. So it's hard yeah. to tell. Yeah, you yeah, get yeah. it. It's hard to yeah. science knows. When you see cool when you horse. see someone looking at that sign and chuckling to themselves, then you know, oh, they're in, they, they're they in science. That. They're a scientist. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they're in the sciences. I, I want to talk a little bit more about Edie Falco because I, uh, I mean, you've seen a lot more of her. I was than too, I, have. I was too fast for you for Edie I, Falco. I, she was just so good, but I loved her. <laughs> but what I love the most about her is that 
her, the way that she carries so much on her face, like the little movements constantly or, or starting to say a word and then not, it was so flawless in depicting this confused, these, this person full of confused, awkward emotions as she's trying to figure out what the heck is going on. Cause essentially it's, she starts like this emotional affair with this, this person before actually finally kind of uh, culminating in, in the two of them in the hotel room. But all of those those looks that she has as she's trying to figure out what the heck is going on within her. I mean, it was just beautiful. It was like, ah, this is acting at its finest. Like, that's hard stuff to act. Like, all those mm-hmm. little facial tics and moves that that she was doing here. It was, it was really stunning to watch. I loved it. I, I uh, want to call out the scene where he is reintroduced and he comes into the party. Uh, because I, I think... At the very that- beginning. At the very beginning, because that that really cements it for me, too, that there isn't a meet cute in this movie. Right. This isn't like when they meet again for the first time, it's already awkward. And that is she telegraphs that so well that when she sees him for the first time, it's already weird between them. And that allows us to sort of fast forward because we know now that there were 20 years of her working on his behalf. And now we have to assume even so early in the movie, she's got something for him. She she loves this kid in in a way that is evolving and it's weird already and that that's not a, a a part that you know a lot of actresses would take on because it's hard and it I builds great it builds to a beautiful ending because no matter what she feels for him she does realize that that's not what she's looking for right and and what she really fell in love with over the course of helping chris out as much as she cares about him is this this sense of helping people. And I, I mm-hmm. loved the way that she finds that. It helps her get out of her marriage. It puts her in this place where she's finally free. She's now going to take uh, take Hildy, and they're going to move uh, down to Seattle, I think she says. Mm-hmm. And there's that beautiful moment at the end that just, it was so perfect, the way that she said, let's spend some time and get to know each other as we are now. Yeah. And I just, I was like, oh, that was just so nice it doesn't need to end with them in love with each other and you know they were meant to be together like it's just this moment of the two of them finally moving to this place where they can grow up and move on and move past all of this and now just be friends and i i thought that was just such an effective way to end this story it was just a perfect end and i know we've called out some of the previous films the way that shelton ends the stories sometimes it feels a little premature this one was just it was so right on the moment with that perfect connection between the two of them. Loved it. Yeah. Yeah. It was great. I, I love it. It already it's funny because it's it it had only what was the time that passed? Um by the time he's back, he's working in the in the warehouse and uh the the nice smelling warehouse. Yeah. I don't uh, was that weeks? That was the order of several weeks, right? Yeah, I don't know if it's it called it out at all, but it felt well, like there had been a little bit of time. Some some time passes and it still feels like um it, it just feels very earned because sometimes yeah. you it that can feel rushed. That can feel like the equivalent of a hard cut to black. And yeah. uh it didn't at all. It, I I walked away feeling like these characters, whether or not I was resolved on all the loose ends around backstory and crime and what happened and who done it, I was completely resolved with their uh with the way they felt about one another and the way they existed in the world. And that's that's it turns out is rewarding enough. Very much, very much so. How to do it awards? Oh, we didn't talk about music. This was a pleasant change. And I think part of it is because I really enjoy Andrew Bird. And I enjoyed what he did here. It just, the music was, uh, it just fit the mood so well. I really, I, I really liked the music here. When you say you like uh, Andrew Bird, is it because of MacGruber? <laughs> No. Is that the one? Is that the one that re- that you play over and over again? MacGruber. I didn't know that that was a thing. Is that? Uh, yeah, yeah, he did no. that. He's on the soundtrack for it. <laughs> I give you trouble. Um, but uh, but you like uh, you like Andrew Bird. All right, that's enough. Yeah, like you know, uh, I mean, he's done lots of uh, going back to kind of what we were talking about last 
week with laggies the fact that she brought on i can't remember his name but the postal service guy Mm -hmm. uh this is another person who's an artist a musical artist who is coming on board to kind of compose for this particular film and and, uh, has done a lot of music and i just like the tone that he brings for this film me too how to do it award season you know not well (laughs) unfortunately (laughs) i i don't think this film got any notice is the problem and if a film isn't getting noticed it's hard to get nominations it's hard to get awards it uh and maybe i'm just saying that because i'm very partial to this film but it certainly seems to be the case it had two wins two other nominations at the sun valley film festival producers mel eslin and Lacey levitt won the vision award and at the washington dc film fest Lynn Shelton won the Cygnus Award. The Gothenburg Film Festival, Lynn Shelton was nominated in the international competition for the Dragon Award, but lost to Men Don't Cry by Alan Drelievic. Good job. I'm not sure how to say that. Nailed it. And at the South by Southwest Film Festival, Shelton was uh, no, uh, was nominated for the Game Changer Award, but she lost to First Match by Olivia Newman in uh, Narrative Films and Unlovable by Susie Unessi, who got a special jury recognition. So uh, yeah, not much, not a lot for this one. I, I don't even want to, I kind of don't even want to ask about the box office. How did, how did it do with the box office? You know, I don't know if it is because of the failure of Shelton's last film at the box office, perhaps showing her films couldn't earn the money back even at a $5 million budget level or what? but I could not find a thing about the budget for this film other than it sounded like she was returning to her micro-budget roots with the Duplass Brothers Productions producing this one. And, you know, perhaps they were smart to do that because this one did not do well at the box office either. After premiering at TIFF in the fall of 2017, the film had a limited opening on March 30th, 2018 on a very slow weekend opposite Acrimony. Even there, it garnered very little interest, and it ended up only earning $68,500 at the box office, or $69,800 yeah, in today's dollars. Unless Shelton really returned to her original ultra-low-budget roots, this film likely was another box office failure for Shelton and the Duplass team. Well, I have to say, that's a bit of a heartbreaker. Very much so. Very much so. Wow. Well, I quite enjoyed it uh and i'm i i just feel like it was such a a beautiful kind of emotional journey that that uh didn't require me to do a lot of uh, a a lot of piecing together of the of the crime stuff and i turns out after watching it that was rewarding uh performances (laughs) were just top notch and i'm i am so glad we finally got here you know what i find it a bit redemptive to our lynn shelton series because you know it was fine so far but now i'm really glad we did it yeah, right. Absolutely. I'm, and it's I'm not glad. even over. It's not. I, I, but I'm very glad that this was one that we uh, we did have on our series. And I know you yeah. have these other ones that you really like, but I am so glad that this was one we covered because I just loved it so much. Yeah. 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 Me too. Uh, shall we take it to the mat? Yes, let's do it. Head over to flickchart.com slash the next reel. You'll see all the movies that we've talked about on this fair show. If you swipe over in your uh, show notes there and you tap the word flick chart, it should take you straight to this movie in the flick chart database where you can add it to your list and see how it stands up against ours. First up, we have Outside In or The Russia House. Come on. I think it's outside in. That's a bummer. Sorry, Russia House. Russia uh, House was okay. Outside eh, in or Fargo? Fargo. Yeah, Fargo. Outside in or the Maltese Falcon? Oh. What does one say about this? Um, I think I still got to go for Maltese Falcon. I think it's Maltese Falcon, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but is, do I feel guilty about it? Uh, time will tell. We'll I feel know. a little guilty about it. Outside in or the town? Well, that's the town. Yeah, probably. Outside in or the Lavender Hill Mob? You know, uh, I could give this one to outside in, but oh, yeah. I, I could go either way. I'm outside in for sure. All right, good. Outside in or inside man? <laughs> outside inside man. <laughs> outside inside man. That's gross. <laughs> um, 
It's going to be Inside Man. It's outside in for me. I just watched Inside Man, and I remember how much I loved it. It's a great movie. It's a great movie. I'm, I'm okay putting Outside In ahead of it. Okay, let's let's go to that. All right, here we go. A one. One. Two. Two. Three. Three. Rock. Scissors. God. Outside In takes remember, it. remember, you always do rock first. Oh, do I? <laughs> yeah. Outside In or Barton Fink? <laughs> Barton Fink. Oof. I'm going to say Outside In. All right. Here we go. One. One. Two. Two. Three. Three. Paper. Paper. Rock. Rock. <laughs> Paper. Rock. <laughs> Dang it. Outside In takes it. Outside In or Cujo? Oh, I got to go Cujo here. Cujo. Yeah. Outside In or The Bourne Ultimatum? Number three in the Bourne series. Um, Jason on this one. Yeah, I think it's born for me. Well, that puts Outside In in spot 228 on our chart. 228 out of 513 movies. That's about, it's pretty low. It's about a 56%. That is lower than it is on my list. <laughs> yeah. I, you know what it ran into? The, the block for Outside In for me was Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, which feels Ooh. weirdly appropriate that this movie crashed into that and couldn't get past it. Um, how did you do on your list? It did better than that. It landed in spot uh, really well. It landed in spot 217 out of 4650. That's a 95% oh. on my chart. Oh, 95 much higher. Okay, mine's yeah. 340 out of 1508, which is a 77%. According to the algorithm here, I should go over to letterbox.com slash the next reel, and I should give it a four star. Um, You would wonder if I could even, with good conscience, give it a four-star, given the conversation we had about it just now. I don't think I can. I think it's. I, I think this is my first, uh, on the series, my first five-star uh, movie of the movies we've covered. Is I'm it? Go really? Five stars. Yeah. You? Three now stars that, with quibbles. Now that you say that, I'm, <laughs> now I, I feel guilty because I was like, four and a half. Four and a half in a heart. Um, but now that you say you're giving it five, you're making me feel like if I'm, if I, considering how much I loved it, if I'm not giving it You did it love it. Enough, and you've I been do. talking about it for days. I do. Yeah. You know what? I'm going to give it five stars. I just, I yeah. did really love this film. Um, it's so, the right thing to do. It's the right thing to do. All right. Yeah. And All I don't right. feel like I've been peer pressured into it. I'm okay with that. So. <laughs> Just nudge, peer nudged, yeah. peer reminded is what you were. <laughs> I like that. I've been you peer were reminded. peer minded. Yes. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it, that's the way it should be. All right, so that will land with five stars and a heart from both of us over on Letterbox.com. So that's it. That's number four uh, on our Lynn Shelton series. Uh, where do we go from here? Sadly, we're ending with her last film, 2019's Sort of Trust, with which was her last film before she ended up dying. And so I, yeah, I'm very much looking forward to this one. This is the one that does not take place in the Pacific Northwest. It is a very different type of story. And I'm very much looking forward to uh, kind of digging into this one a little bit. So it should be a fun one to kind of end the series with. What you are looking at yes. is a genuine relic that supports the actual truth, which is the South. Mm -hmm. One more. Okay. The South won the war? That's right. This is something it's, you want to keep under your hat till you're ready to Seems like pretty big news. Head. Best way to do this is through concrete evidence. Is this antique roadshow for racists? Up to $50,000. God damn it. What's the deal? 70-30 sounds fair to me. Don't, please don't touch. I don't can't touch, touch the tag. Don't touch the tag. Honey, 70-30? Is it 70 for us? No. No deal. 30 for us. No deal. There's going to be other offers on this. Because the word's out. Word's out. Came here looking for something. Uh-huh. Heard you have it. Can we narrow it down a little? We're looking okay. for a sword. All right. A sword. Why was that so hard? It wasn't hard. It wasn't hard. Why it did just... we have to take that route to get there? 30 seconds to get there. It, it wasn't that long. Let's just be on the same page. We're just trying to sell this thing for a lot of money, and that's that. Bam. This is definitely how people die. I don't know who these people are. I don't know what they're capable of. We're in this together. 
me, you, the two ladies. We just got to get that $40,000. I'm so hard right now. I can barely keep my mind straight. Wait a minute. Are you using that word right? Down a country like this, wind up in a ditch dead and nobody would ever find you. You spend a lot of time thinking, like, how can these people think like this? No, right? you're right, man. We're in the brain of that. Yeah, we're about to find out. Apparently it's carpeted. <laughs> <laughs> you've, you've watched it, right? I have now watched it, yes. I am ideologically predisposed to love this movie. <laughs> Let me just say that. It's going to be a fun one to talk about. That is for sure. Outstanding. Well, uh, I'm, I can't wait to talk about that one. And I really can't wait to say thank you uh, to all of our members who support this show. Um, you know what we're doing now? We're doing this these members-only bonuses. I don't know if you've heard this, Andy. Once a month, you and I get on and record a podcast about a movie that's just for members. Did you that's know this? fantastic. Uh, Apparently, I, I, we've been doing it for <laughs> months. Good way to go, us. I, I feel pretty good about that. We've done Gone Girl and the Russia House, nah, da, 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 Equilibrium, which was bonkers, uh, Ivanhoe, Hello, Sweden, uh, Tenant, The Hot Rock, Thumb and Louise, uh, uh, Dolomite is my name, The Big Heat just dropped. The Big Heat? I don't even remember talking about that. So mm. good. I know. And then we're going to be looking at uh, Naked Lunch from our David Cronenberg series for our June member bonus episode. So I'm deeply yeah. excited about that one. Yeah. Members get to vote on these on our uh, on our we have polls over in our discord groups for our members. And we're also we've started doing um, monthly flick chart re-ranking sessions. So there's lots of stuff that members are getting. So you just can sign up for a one reeler membership. You can get to vote on our Saturday matinee polls to choose the list topic based on this very movie or the two reeler level. So you can uh, vote on our monthly member bonus episodes. It's uh, lots of fun. Lots of fun. You can find out more at the next slash memberships. It, it really is. It, it's lots of fun. And just just know if you've been listening along with us for a while, um, this member support helps us make decisions about our time and investment, unlike anything else, right? It is all about um, being able to not just to support, um, you know, being able to host the show and put it up on the internet and get the website up and, and working. It, it's about allowing the show to continue to grow and thrive. And, and this is, you know, this is the work. This is the work. And so we really appreciate, uh, we appreciate every one of our listeners listener that turns into a supporter mm, i'm down on one knee for for those people thank you uh everybody who supported for those who are still considering we hope to see you soon we also have pete uh, a number of different feeds that people can select we do yeah you know if you've been listening for a long time what what happened is we started doing all these spin-off shows and we you know our podcast eyes were bigger than our podcast stomachs. And so all of those shows ended up in one feed that was the next reel. Uh, if you have never done a search in your favorite podcast catcher uh, for uh, the next reel, you might not know that what you're getting is every show of every series that the next reel produces. But if you don't want every show of every series, you can go subscribe just to the individual shows uh, that you want to hear. So if you just want to hear Saturday Matinee and Trailer Rewind, you got it. You can have those. If you just want to hear the next reel and Silver Linings, you can do that too. Uh, you can just separate and spread out your listening and maybe clean up your feeds a little bit. And if you're feeling overwhelmed, if you're pod pod overwhelmed, overwhelmed, <laughs> that's dumb. We, we hope that this helps you uh, to streamline your listening a little bit and not feel so overwhelmed. I don't think you should ever use that again. <laughs> what does it overwhelm you? When the movie ends, our conversation begins. Letterbox giveth Andy. As Letterbox always doeth. Letterbox giveth so much one star. One starishness. Mm, yes. Letterbox a lot of people, is sad. A lot of people don't like this one. And they really don't. I no. so can I, I I have one that I think it gives us an opportunity to it's a real thinker. Can I Ooh, give you a thinker? A thinker. Yeah. 
Uh, it's a two-star by Papillon, who says, IDK, kind of weirded out the whole time. Sorry. But I loved the shooting location. Very homey. Also, score was good. And the main guy's acting was really great. But I couldn't get past the awkwardness. Oh, but maybe that was the story's point. So IDK <laughs> also could have been a bit shorter, in my opinion. <laughs> wow. Okay. A real thinker. Do you think maybe the awkwardness was part of the point of the story? IDK. Maybe. IDK. 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 It's, it's pretty overwhelming. What do you got? I have a one and a half star by Abigail, who had this to say, watched it solely for Benny Schwa. Not enough Benny Schwa. Okay. There's somebody that, who's... I can't, I can't disagree. <laughs> for somebody who had no idea who Ben Schwartz was, I thought he was fine in the film. Wait a minute. You have no idea who Ben Schwartz is? Uh, I, I know that he's a comedian, but I don't really, I don't, I, I've, I've probably seen him in things. You have, and you know what? I'm. I. It is. Uh, I am. To, it's, he was the voice of Sonic. There you go. Yes, Sonic. he was the voice of Sonic. Yeah, he's a voice guy. That's that's what he seems to mostly do. His voice stuff. He, he is a voice guy, but he was also um, he was also in um, the Walk, and this is where I leave you, and the other guys, and the interview. I've seen all those movies. Yeah, but and like not in not in not in parts. a central part, so, right? Yeah. yeah. He's very funny, though. I like him. I like him. All right. Good talk. Thanks, Letterboxd. I've been podcasting since 2006. In that time, I've tried countless hosting platforms. But in August 2022, we switched to Transistor to power all of our shows here at True Story FM. And it's been a game changer. I love the Transistor allows unlimited podcasts and storage without extra charges. We can publish so much content. And we do. If you want to start up a podcast, do yourself a favor and host your show on Transistor. With their one-click publishing, you can get your new show onto all the major podcast directories effortlessly. And their website builder lets you quickly build custom sites for each show. The detailed analytics are invaluable, too. You can access all kinds of listener data anytime. Oh, and the versatile players allow you to embed episodes anywhere to reach new listeners. Plus, the team behind Transistor is super responsive and keeps making the platform even better. After using countless hosting services over 15-plus years, Transistor has been, hands down, the best podcast partner for us. If you want a hosting platform to take all the worry out of getting your podcast out into the world... Go to thenextreel.com slash transistor and check it out. Support our show and support your own show by going to thenextreel.com slash transistor. Start growing your podcast today.